on this episode of Why Watch That. Now, look, Rick James, I've got to see that. I think I might have to. You know. Give it to me now. Yes, Rick <laughs> James, that's going to be a roller coaster ride indeed. Uh, yeah. And if you also watch um, Fleabag, <laughs> you'll know that he is uh, quite often tempted, shall we say. <laughs> Las Vegas is overrun by zombies, so much so that the U.S. government has walled it off and it's going to nuke it. Some of them seem to be able to coordinate. Oh. Okay, they're Coordinate? That's right. And others (laughs) are not. We're talking about Lupin. (laughs) And this comes out Friday, June 11th. Lupin! It's just such a great... Wouldn't yes. you want the name Lupin? Why not Lupin? Lupin! Arsene Lupin. <laughs> Why watch that as a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head-to-head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. Expect the unexpected from the critic. Well, nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome, Welcome to, to Why, Why Watch, watch That. that. This episode of Why Watch That is supported by Entrepreneur Meal Plan. It helps leaders and professionals feed their bodies and business as well. You know, Critic, I got Mm. a chance to attend a wonderful event by EMP here Uh in Los Angeles. And it was so amazing because Brandy Cochran was able to gather people from all sorts of walks of life. We were able to gather together, have real talk and some real good food too. Mm -hmm. It was a hit. It's food for the soul and the body, which is so hard to find. So if you want to learn more about Entrepreneur Meal Plan, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, go to entrepreneurmealplan.com. The Why Watch That Talk. Well, the festival season is up and running. I mean, we went to... What? We went to Sunday and South by Southwest, and now it's time for Tribeca. The yes. Tribeca Film Festival is coming at us from June 9th through the 20th. Oh. So, you know, the question really is, are we attending in person? This year, we are not. But we have access. So we are excited about... Um, We're excited to dig around and see what kind of access that we have virtually. Many press members have virtual access, Mm -hmm. just like they did, you know, with um, Sundance as well as South by Southwest. I believe South by Southwest was completely virtual. Sundance did have some local um, events. Yeah, and Tribeca, mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. Tribeca will also have some local uh, events in New York City. Now, every borough. Every borough in New York City. Here's the thing about Tribeca, and I feel like we need to sort of revisit because last year was sort of a... mm, Tribeca Film Festival really is a festival more for the indie of indie films. This is not your, you know... Sometimes you will find a sneaky little Oscar nominee coming out of here. Sometimes you'll find some extraordinary performances that do get nominated. But for the most part, Tribeca is very friendly to risk takers Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to story. Again, this was started by 
um, Robert De Niro. Yes. And um, his his uh, business partner and producing partner as well. He is from the area of Tribeca. And the funny thing is Scorsese, uh, De Niro, mm. and uh, not George Lucas, uh, not Spielberg. Uh, uh, Godfather. Oh, oh, Francis Ford Coppola. Francis Ford Coppola sort of like had a, and, and Pacino had a like, mm. they were in the vicinity kind of doing their thing as young I men. I wonder it was Harvey so, Keitel oh, hanging out with them Of too. course he yeah. was. He's, oh, <laughs> yes. So, you know, that, that kind of feel of storytelling, the way De Niro grew up, he wanted it to be gritty into the streets. And that's what we have. Now, Critic. Mm-hmm. As you do every year, you have covered Tribeca just about every year since we've been. Why watch that? Most of the time that was in person. This is your first virtual experience. What are you excited about this festival? Well, there are this two, year. There are two gala offerings are exciting. But before I get to that, I'm going to end with those. Oh, oh. There is a the- movie uh-huh. that Elijah Wood is starring in where he plays, um, he plays, a guy who wants to get into the mind of Ted Bundy. Now, okay. And he's an okay. FBI analyst. You know, it's it's at that like mind hunter when they're first yeah. developing the profiling system. So I'm interested in that. There are some docs I'm interested in. They got a lot of food docs, Wolfgang Puck and Anthony Bourdain and yes. James. Okay. Well, now look, Rick James, I've got to see that. I think I might have to. You know, Give it to me now. yes, Rick James, <laughs> that's going to be a roller coaster ride indeed. Uh, yeah. Uh, and if you haven't heard Rick James in a while, if you've never heard Rick James, go find it, police. I think find most people have been reintroduced to uh, Rick James via Dave Chappelle. Yes. So there you And go that's why that. you should listen to the music. The man is crazy, but he is, he knows what he's doing. I look, I got to give it to him. And he guessed what label he was on. What label? Motown. Can you believe that? <laughs> I'm sure Barry Gordy was like, okay, I'm going out with a bang. <laughs> but the two gala offerings are in the Heights, which will be available on HBO Max and in theaters on yes. June 11th. So that'll be, you know, okay. So it's hey. Lynn Manuel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lynn Manuel, there we go. And the director of of uh Crazy Rich Agents, I believe. Yes, yes. Yeah, so interesting. John Chu. John Chu, that's right. Anthony Ramos is starring in it and everything yes, else this summer that'll be coming out. And <laughs> the other thing, no, I, that's a joke, but I, I love Anthony. I'm happy for him. He's, He's even in, in the Corona commercial. I mean, the Crown Royal commercials. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Corona Royal. He's not in Corona commercials. No. <laughs> Let's get that clear. <laughs> but there's also Corona beer. Yeah. True. There's also Soderbergh's new movie, also which will be on HBO Max, but only HBO Max yeah. on July 1st. Mm-hmm. No Sudden Move is Uh-oh. the other gala offering. Let's say HBO Max is like, thanks, Tribeca. We will be the beginning and the end. And the, the cast of that, Don Cheadle yes. is in it. Uh, Brendan Fraser is popping yes. up again. Who knows what he mm-hmm. looked like? Benicio. I mean, you know, come on now. Karen Culkin, all of them are in there. And Benicio, you know. Traffic. Yeah. Traffic, yes. Mm-hmm. And so on. So Sakari, I mean, you could just go Sakari. on and on. Yeah. Tribeca Film Festival is one of those festivals where you really do, if you find a nugget 
it's exciting because you get to say that you were one of the first to do that. So here's the deal, listeners. I know that some of you are not in New York City and some of you are like, hey, I am ready to travel. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to get back on this. You can actually partake virtually as well. You can go online at the TribecaFilm.com and you can fish around to see if there's anything you're interested in. I know everybody's wanting to do the In the Heights. Um, They're very excited about that. Not sure if that's going to be a virtual offering, Um, but everything else may be worth a dig. So we welcome Tribeca Film Festival. Watch out because here comes Why Watch That. Oh, I watched that first look. We have a first look of a new movie on HBO. Now, if you know anything about this actress, you know that she is going to bring a certain caliber. Before we get into that, Bartlett Share, who, you know, is... Um, I first came into contact with Bartlett Share. We both did, I guess. Uh, from the theatrical world. Bartlett Cher is a very well-known director on Broadway, mainly plays some musicals. I mean, he's just amazing. He directed this movie called Oslo. Now, it is written by J.T. Rogers, but it's also his play. So now you can see how and why Bartlett Cher would be the director of this. This was a play... I did not see this on um, at all, so I'm not. I, I'm coming in fresh. I haven't read this play before. Um, coming in hot and fresh. The cast, ooh ooh ooh, especially if you love you some uh, over the pond work. Yeah. But most of us are familiar with Ruth Wilson, who if um, you, you know the affair on you know uh, what was that on Showtime? Yes. Uh, I mean Ruth Wilson. Uh, oh, uh, the uh, Luther, the one who drives Luther bananas. Yeah, um, she is um, in this. We've got Andrew Scott, which if you watch if you watch Sherlock Holmes mm. or Sherlock, excuse me, the Benedict Cumberbatch version, you'll know exactly who this person is. And if you also watch um, Fleabag, <laughs> you'll know that he is uh, quite often tempted, shall we say, <laughs> um, along with other people. I can't really decipher who's... I mean, I'm, I'm scrolling through here and I see Over the Pond actor after Over the Pond actor. Very familiar cast. Mm-hmm. Um, but you may not know everything that they've been in, but you will certainly, if you watch anything Over the Pond, you will know immediately. Now, this is on HBO. You can watch it on HBO Max if you want to. This is a TV movie. So this is a one-parter, one-done but it's also a play. So critic, mm-hmm. we know what can happen when we translate plays into teleplays. There's often a loss of translation and then it just begins to feel like you're watching people talk. Yeah. So the question is with this particular movie, is that the case? And if we love plays, will we love this? Or if we don't like plays, will we like it? Hmm. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, um, JT adapted his own play for this. Uh, Bartlett was the director of it on stage, Broadway and so on. So same team. Um, and it, it, what it, it's about a real 
thing. It's about the Oslo Accords. So what happened is, uh, of course, and this is even relevant now, between Israel and the PLO, the Palestine Liberation Organization, of course they were at loggerheads. Um, the Palestinians were off of their land and so on, living elsewhere, they wanted to come back. Would Israel allow it? Well, they were having uh, formal talks, supposedly, but behind the scenes, what happens is that a diplomat in Norway, played by Ruth Wilson, Mona, she says, I think if we do this back channel, not announcing it, where we can get these people to meet each other in person and get to know each other as people, this might be the thing that unlocks peace. And she uh, brings her husband in, played by Andrew, to help facilitate this. So it has to be on the hush-hush. And they start with one person from each group coming together to see if this is gonna be worth it. Then that progresses to two people from each. And of course, in the middle is Norway and they can't show their hand in either direction. They have to be completely neutral if that's possible. So how do they do this, right, is the question. And what comes of this? Well, if you know history, you'll know. If you don't, you'll find out in the show. And also what's going on between this husband and wife pair? Do they always agree or not? And what happens if things start leaking out? Can they keep it under wraps and keep this thing going? That's really what Oslo is about. Now, what I would say is if like the ref is asking appropriately, the translation from a play to a TV movie, how does that work? Well, in the beginning, especially, it felt cinematic. I will give them that. They do these was it a flashback? Is it a flash forward? I won't tell you. When it comes to Mona, her experience, and they come here. So it's not just them in one room. That's not what's happening. Uh, but you do see that happen as well, where they sit in the room and talk. And the actors, the beats are just right. They have the rhythms, all of that's good. But what I would say is the personalities are the reason to watch this, I would say. The way those characters come off from the actors. There is a lot... Um, they do a lot to build tension here, but after a while, it seemed a bit repetitive and I just wasn't quite drawn in. Uh, they did a good job of translating the play to the screen. Um, it's relevant again, it's active with gusto, but I think that it's just not quite enough to tip you over the edge into going, oh, I'm riveted. Well, there you have it. Let's look at another first look that you got a chance to see on Netflix, which this is Army of the Dead by Zack Snyder. Ooh, what? Mm. Zack is back. Yes. Um, this story is by him. Uh, it, the screenplay is by him, but also Shay Hatton and um, Joby Harold also wrote the screenplay. Now, Zack obviously directed it. I mean, why wouldn't he direct it? Mm. And the cast is very familiar. We've got Dave uh, Bautista, who we know from many things, but specifically from Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, Ella Purnell, we've got Omari Hardwick, um, we've got Ana de la uh, Reguera. I'm trying to, I don't know how Italian that was versus Spanish. Um, we've got uh, Tig Nataro. Like, mm -hmm. whenever Tig shows up, I'm always interested. I don't know why, <laughs> but I'm just like, because hmm. she's, mm -hmm. she's a very interesting um Comedian, yes. I think, mm -hmm. you know, yes. um, we have uh, 
uh, Hiro Yuki Sanada, um, along with some other people. Yeah. Um, that are showing up in this. Uh, listen, it's Zack Snyder. We kind of, I feel like we know what we get from Zack Snyder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in case you don't know, we're talking about, you know, 300, mm-hmm. along with obviously, you know, the recent um, materials of, of the DC comic. I mean, you can just go on and on with what he's done. Um, we know the story you know, behind him with that. And when I see multiple, when I see someone does a story and then they do the screenplay and then other people are in doing the screenplay, you know, is this a cohesive work? Yeah. And the reason why I asked that is in light of Justice League, that we had one version of Justice League. We had a very tragic personal situation with the Snyder family. And then we had to come back and do that. We Is it cohesive? Um, mm-hmm. And it's on Netflix. So, you know, Netflix is always like, you know, we say it's it's a very give and take. What's going on with this? Yeah. And and remember, uh, Zach did Dawn of the Dead uh, yes. much earlier in his career. He remade that. And I really enjoyed that. Um, also, Zombies. So what's going on here? It's Las Vegas. Las Vegas is overrun by zombies. So much so that the U.S. government has walled it off and it's going to nuke it. Okay? That's where we are. How did these zombies come to be? The title is Army of the Dead. Mm -hmm. Now, and always when it comes to zombies, what kind of zombies are they? That's the question. Is it a World War Z zombie or is it just a regular old zombie? Maybe you get more than one. Because here's some of them seem to be able to coordinate. Oh. Okay, they're Coordinate? Lucid. That's right. And others <laughs> are not. Well, how can you be one of the coordinating zombies? How could you be one of the idiots? You'll find out if you watch this. <laughs> <laughs> now, what happens is there's this ragtag group of people. They all have different skills. They are hired by this rich guy played by Hiroyuki to go in and get millions of dollars that are in a vault in Vegas. How can they get in there? It's overrun by zombies. Well, somebody knows the way. Somebody leads people in and out. If they can follow her out, if not, she will leave you behind. Okay. So that's where everybody else comes in. The central character is played by Dave. um, And Dave has a daughter. And he and the daughter have a history that's a problem and so on and so forth. So you'll see what that is. But they all want to get in and get this money because they get a cut. Now, does everybody get the same cut? I won't tell you. Now, that's what's really happening. They have to get in. Who gets out? Does anyone get out? And what are these relationships and personalities going to create when they mesh together? This movie is a lot of machismo. Um, I think it needed to be tighter. Everything was too drawn out. And that called unnecessary attention to its flaws. It stalled instead of being suspenseful. Like everything, I was like, okay, let's just move it along. Like we don't need three writers. Just do it. It's just a zombie movie. Uh, the father-daughter stuff I thought was stiff. It strained credulity for me. Um, also with zombie stuff, it's always a comment. What's the comment here? Is it about the military industrial complex? Is, is it something else? I don't know. Um, but I will say this about Zach. He makes movies. He knows how to make a movie. That's the thing. But I thought that Dawn of the Dead was more successful than he did. 28 Days Later in World War Z, definitely better. But it's on Netflix. And I think it's a good fit for that platform. 
Well, there you have that. Um, let's move on to a sneak peek, though. A why watch that sneak peek? This is the second part of something we reviewed earlier this year. And of course, we're talking about Lupin. <laughs> and this comes out Friday, June 11th. Lupin! And um, <laughs> it's just such a great... Wouldn't yes. you want the name Lupin? Why not Lupin? Lupin! Arsene Lupin. <laughs> you should... It's funny because we talked about it earlier. Throughout the series, we have this, you know, character who slips in and out of your fingers. You think you have him. And then they always call out, Lupin! You know, like, it's just, it's so ridiculous and funny. This is coming to us from George K. Um, he created it, and um, this is obviously based on the uh, character Lupin, mm. um, but with a significant twist. Yes. Um, and they don't shy away from it being based on Lupin. If you remember our earlier review... This is starring Omar Sy, who we've fallen in love with uh, since, you know, that not just the series, but the um, movie that we copied here in the States, mm -hmm. uh, that French movie, uh, along with other people, other amazing, wonderful actors and actresses. Now, the question then becomes, when we left off part one, something happened to Lupin. Mm. It is, um, he, his son went missing. Yeah. And so, you know, Asan is the name, you know, his, his name is not Lupin, but he does carry on the characteristics of Lupin. Asan has lost his son. Somebody's taking him. We kind of know who did it. The question is, will he be able to get his son back and properly avenge his father by the end of part two? Because mm -hmm. this is all season one. Right. Yeah. Um, and that beginning is dealing with, you know, a son trying to get his son back. What's that like? Why was the son taken? What do they want to do with the son? And what about the cops? Because the cops, remember, are on the prowl. There's one cop who, just like a son, is taken with Lupin, loves him, and he's the one going, I think this is the guy, and they don't listen to him. So how do they all meet together? Because that's what happens in part two. All of these different factions start to get together. And in the end of this saga with the sun, Lupin is framed. Oh, no. What? His ex-wife, the son's mother, she's about done with him. Oh, she is. Though. What does that mean? No. Is she trustworthy? Mm -hmm. We do know that Lupin's father's employer, that snake, he will stop at nothing, okay, <laughs> to keep himself preserved, keep his money, and to keep his reputation. And, and he keep has your his, money. Well, that too. <laughs> Take your money. Okay. Oh. And he has a daughter who Asan has a relationship with. What's that like with this daughter? Is she in on it is, or is she something else? I mean, they have a foundation. Is that foundation something you want to give money to? Mm. Okay. So that's what's happening in regard to the characters. Now, after the saga of the sun, I call it, we then get back to what you anticipate you would have from season one, where it's back to a son dealing with, you know, his father and all of that. We see some flashbacks again with um, something that you'll see. I won't give that away. And the question is, 
now that Asan has been framed, can he clear his father's name and his name, keep his son safe, keep the ex-wife safe if he needs to, stay and away. put somebody behind bars. Put people behind bars who need to be behind it. Uh, you know, unearth the good cop from the bad cop and, you know, stay ahead. And what about his, you know, friend who's been friends with him since they went to school together? His faithful friend. The counterfeiter. What about him? <laughs> What's going on with that? So here's the thing about part two. This show, yeah. in a word, is fun. It's fun. That's what it is. When they have the sun, it went a little too serious. Just went a little too far, but they get out of it. They, I, I was like, okay, now look, I'm not watching that for this. But they got <laughs> out of that. They did. Now look. You still have the suggestions and the double crosses and the pursuit of revenge. That's what this does well. They come back to that. That's why people like it. So just know if you start part two, you might go, ooh, where are we going? Don't worry, they'll bring it back and then you'll finish it. But part one is better than part two. I have to agree. I did finish it as well. I just have, I agree with everything you said. I just want to say thank you so much for not making a nagging teenager. Oh, thank oh, you. Uh, like a silly... Oh. Literally, like, just mm. that teenage son, give me that son. I'll yes. take that son. And we did have the nagging, well, not wife, ex-wife, a yes. little bit. You'll find out what that is. But just, it was so respectful to that son-father relationship. Yes. Just wonderful. Now, here's the thing. It's a big success. Everybody loves the band. There's a season two. How it ends, mm. the question is, will can they make a season two? Yeah. And we both know the answer to that. Mm -hmm. The question is, will you know the answer to that? So there you have it. Ooh, just fun. Now, fun. It's just fun. And it's such a great palate cleanser. They did get heavy. You know, they started to get woke a little bit, yeah. you know, because yeah. it's, it is a black, it's not just a black man, but it's like a yeah. very striking, beautiful, yes tall grand a conspicuous black man i mean like, yeah, like it's like how is he going to disguise himself <laughs> right and and then you know you can't ignore that but also they acknowledge it in the middle of the season so it's yeah. kind of like well y'all like we should have just pretended not you know yes it's almost like uh jack ryan they talked about uh greer being a spy in russia and he's black <laughs> Black man spy Russia. I mean, not that it's impossible. It's right. just that a little hard to maneuver. Completely, completely, completely agree with you on that. Lupin is a success. Now, if you want to see any of these, you can check it out. This is just our thoughts, but you'll have to make up your own mind. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, visit whywatchthat.com. Good idea. And we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave comments, feedback, and you can rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See you.